Chicago Tribune in 1961 read a series of articles on the world of tomorrow. They talked about how agriculture will be so mechanized that farms will resemble factories with automation control devices, precisely delivering agricultural inputs. Artificial intelligence will replace human judgment for tending to plants and that harvesting, packing and shipping will all be done automatically with robots. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. Today's guest is transforming the agricultural world of tomorrow, today. He has developed a robotic strawberry harvester that is picking strawberries as we speak. Tortuga AgTech aims to build a healthier society and a thriving planet through smarter farming. Eric Adamson is the co-founder and CEO at Tortuga AgTech, and he joins us from Colorado. Eric, welcome to GreenSense. Thanks very much, Robert. Well, I've heard about you for a long time as a leader in robotic harvesting equipment, and we first met earlier this year at the AgTech Investor Summit in New York City, where you were a panelist on a session I moderated. I want to congratulate you on all your success and your hard work. Well, thanks very much. It feels like there's still a long way to go, but it's uh, always important to look back and see what we've accomplished uh, today. Um, tortuga means turtle in Spanish, and when I think of a turtle, I think of a slow-moving reptile that wins the race. Why the name for a robotic company that seems to be a very fast-moving company? Great question. We actually do get this question uh, fairly often. When we were thinking of ideas uh, for the name of the company, we just thought turtles around the world in many cultures are symbols of wisdom and, patient and con- patience and connection to the earth. And we figured that would be a nice symbol for our company. Uh, We ended up getting this logo developed, which we really like. It's simple. It has sort of farmland within the turtle shell. And um, so we went with it. And of course, Tortuga sounds a lot cooler than just turtle. Uh, (laughs) But yes, I think as it pertains to uh, the speed, uh, we do believe that slow and steady wins the race. And we want to build a company that's around for a long time. So that's that, that all fits. Well, I think that's great. I think you have a great organization and great technology. So I hope you do win that robotic race. Um, Simon Sinek's uh, Golden Circle model states that every organization and leader knows what they are doing. Some know how they do it, but very few know why they are doing it. Why does Tortuga develop agricultural robots? Yeah, thanks. You mentioned at the beginning of the show, our mission is to build a healthier society and a thriving planet through smarter farming. And we believe that this is you know, one company that is contributing to a very big uh, movement uh, that needs to be uh, pursued by as many people as possible, which is to build human systems that are more sustainable and resilient with the ecosystem around us, you know, the earth that we, that we all live on. Um, food happens to be very central to everybody's life. We all eat food every day if we're lucky. And the food that we eat has a very, very powerful impact on our health. And for many people, food is a, a big significant cost. And, and of course, if you also look at the impact of food on our planet, uh, we believe that more than any other industry, agriculture is the heaviest industry. It's the most heavy use of water. 70% of all fresh water on the planet is used for agriculture. It's the heaviest uh, emitter of carbon. It's 30% of all carbon emissions in the world is related to agriculture or agricultural land use. Uh, It's a huge impact on our nitrogen cycle, which I don't really remember my high school biology, but if I did, nitrogen is a huge part of of the cycle of life. Uh, And then there's tons of chemicals that we use to stop other things from eating our food before we do. Those chemicals do still impact 
ourselves and our and our uh, ecosystems around us. So if you want to make a difference for humanity and for human health and for the environment, ag is the place to be. And Tim and I, coming from ag backgrounds, Tim is my co-founder and CTO, uh, we just knew we wanted to try our best to build something with new technology that helps agriculture be more sustainable and um, better for humans. So it's great that you understand the why. Do your employees understand that? Absolutely. We lead every single interview with our mission. Um, most, I think most everybody in our company came to us and said, we love this mission. Uh, you know, I really like what you're doing. Is there any way I could potentially find a, a, a way to work uh, with you? So w- with what we're doing, you know, we have, uh, I would say not everyone in the world knows robots and not everyone in the world is aware of how important and how powerful agriculture can be, but the people who are really want to work with us. So uh, I think it's a big part of who we are and about what we talk about internally as a company. One reason why associations and fraternities work is people share a common mission and vision. So, so having a workforce understand that why really mm-hmm. gets everybody rowing in the right direction. So kudos to you uh, for doing that. So how does a recovering ex-management consultant who worked with Fortune 500 companies and government clients in ag, electric power, and oil and gas go from boardrooms to the farm field developing robots to pick strawberries? Tell us your journey. Great question. This this is Tim and myself, Tim being my co-founder and CTO, both come from agricultural backgrounds. So our grandparents were farmers. Tim's first memories were on his grandfather's farm in Eastern Pennsylvania, uh, trying to fix broken tractors. Uh, my grandparents on both sides were uh, basically family farmers in, in Ontario, Canada, and in Western Australia. It skipped a generation, uh, but I think we had it in our blood that we wanted to do something meaningful and uh, we're reconnecting with these roots over our careers as we developed. I was ready to leave the corporate world and try something new. And he was at just the right time. And we met at our last job, and started talking about the various ideas that we had. Uh, Tim's background is a PhD in mechanical engineering from Berkeley, and my background is in business. So I was an MBA at HBS and Stanford undergrad. So we sort of had very different paths to the same point where we realized what we want to do is take all the things we've learned in our lives and try to apply it to a meaningful problem on a farm. And uh, we spent a couple uh, months moonlighting, you know, nights and weekends, trying to figure out what we might want to jump into. And then we made the leap in, uh, in 2016. And Tortuga was born. We, uh, we were hoping to be able to bring uh, advanced technology to farms and help them be more uh, productive and sustainable. Tell me how much fun it is to trade that tie for a t-shirt. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I, I have a really hard time finding uh, you know, business casual wear and feeling comfortable in it anymore. And, and even more than a t-shirt now, you know, we're very comfortable in steel-toed boots and uh, farm wear, you know, long, long sleeve shirts and hats. And uh, we spend a lot of our time getting dusty. Uh, most of my life in the last six years has been spent traveling to and from farms and speaking uh, to farmers. One of the challenges with radio is they can only hear us. They can't see us. So I need you to paint us a picture to tell us how your robot works. Yes, uh, gladly. So we have a four-wheeled robot. Uh, It looks kind of like the size of a golf cart. And it has four wheels on the base. And it can skid steer, which is like when you turn without the wheels turning. So you can imagine one of those, uh, you know, backhoes you might see on a, on, a, on a construction site. So four wheels, skid steer, about the size of a golf cart. And on top of this, we've mounted 
uh, sort of a structural um, system with two robotic arms that are our own design. And those arms kind of look like if you had an elbow that only swung uh, in a sort of horizontal plane and you had another wrist. And so collectively it looks like a little arm with two rotating pieces and a little snipper uh, that reaches out and, and cuts strawberries at the stem and, uh, and can place those strawberries into the container inside the robot where they're gonna be you know, eventually sold to the consumer. Uh, the same robot essentially uh, is picking grapes as well with some slight adjustments to the arms. Um, but anything you can see that's hanging in free space, uh, then you can then cut the stem and place it. That's kind of how our robot works. Well, let's get into some of the details because this sounds easy, but in practice sounds very complicated. <laughs> yes. So when a human picks a strawberry, they must use a lot of judgment. Is it ripe? Is it rotten? How much pressure do you apply to detach the berry from the stem so that it isn't damaged? So tell us a little bit, like, like when you have a robot making all these decisions, it's not just mechanical. It has to have some kind of artificial intelligence that makes yes. these decisions. It moves it. It picks it. So what are the challenges in developing a robot to harvest strawberries? It's a really great question. And the way that I've been explaining it to, for example, my own you know, family members is imagine you have to teach a human being how to pick a strawberry but you don't start with an adult, you start with a baby. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what do you have to teach a baby about the world? And what do you actually have to wait for that baby to even grow into a human that can use their hands and grab, right? So we have to build an entire slice of a human being that can only do one job, which is picking fruit. And maybe it can do another job here and there, but really it's just, it does one thing. So we have to build a skeleton, we have to build a muscular system, we have to build a brain stem and spinal cord, and a brain and eyes and everything to be able to do this. So in simple terms, starting with the, the basics, the skeleton, we designed our own hardware. So we have engineers who have designed this mobile robot platform in the arms, and we design them on a computer. And we buy the parts from machineries and from machinists and from other places, and we put it all together. We have an electrical system on that robot that's a lot like our nervous system as humans. And so it's wires and it's boards and it's signaling and sending signals around and sending power all over this, this robot. We have motors on the robot, which we didn't design ourselves. You know, we buy the motors from people who build motors. Those motors are like your muscles. And so they're moving things around. And then we have sensors, we have cameras, we have um, devices that see the world around us. And those are as basic and, and simple as the kind of camera that you use in your computer when you're doing a video conference. And then there's some that are more complicated than that, which maybe can see depth as well with shining um, photons and receiving them back and sort of getting a depth from the scatter points that you receive back. Uh, so that's all just the hardware. Then you have software on top of that that interprets that. And this is like, what would you have to teach a child to get to the point where they even know what a strawberry is? So we have no fewer than eight machine learning models or what you might call artificial intelligence on the robot that at any given time are looking for objects around the robot, berries, what type of berry, how mature are they, how big are they, what's their shape, where are they in relation to the robot and each other, uh, are there humans in the area that we need to be careful about, how do we address this berry from the right angle so that we can pick it but not anything else, you don't want to pick uh, uh, an unripe berry, you want to pick the ripe ones and they all ripen sort of all the time together in this big mess like a bush of berries. So it's quite difficult to make that judgment call. 
We have um, more sophisticated machine learning models that are actually making a judgment call. We teach them what you should try and what you shouldn't try. And if you can show a robot enough images to say, hey, this one, you should try this one, you shouldn't, it starts to learn after all those other things are done, after I perceive my world, after I've tried to identify where the berries are, should I even try it or shouldn't I? So all of this is extremely detailed and then you have to log all the information and store it in the future. And, and anyway, it keeps going and going, but I'll stop myself there, Robert, just to give you a sense of the very beginnings well, of how complex this gets. Yes, and thank you. That was great, Eric. Um, so do you have robot uh, debriefings after they go through a harvest? Do, they, uh, do, you, do you show them what they did right and wrong so that they can start to have some machine learning? We actually do. Uh, we log an incredible amount of information every time a robot is out in the farm picking. And uh, while it's picking and then overnight, it's uploading that information back up to the cloud. And then we can analyze it uh, with our engineering teams and with our field teams and say, what happened? What can we change tomorrow that will make it pick a little bit better? Or what are we seeing that's a bigger problem that we need to address in a different way? Um, and in doing so, we can also feed all the images that we receive and all the decisions we made. We can feed it back into our machine learning models. And tomorrow or the next day, let's say, we can be a better system than we were uh, when we picked. So it is, it is happening. You know, to a novice, it seems overwhelming, but I could see your passion and drive and desire. It sounds like a, a great challenge that you love tackling every day. Yeah, well, one of our five values is we love solving hard, meaningful problems. And uh, I think that uh, most people at the company get excited about difficulty. And, you know, some may call that masochism, but I think it, it makes for an effective team environment. Well, let's get into cost. Uh, what is a robot like this cost? And are you in commercial production or are you still in a beta phase? Now, we are under commercial contract. We have multiple uh, commercial customers. Uh, we are building a robot that we sell as a service. So rather than selling a robot to a farmer, we just say, look, we're going to charge you every time we pick a pound of strawberries or a kilogram of strawberries. That way, the, the, the grower is thinking, well, that's great for me because I only have to pay when it works. Um, from our perspective, our economics work, if we can pick enough fruit and provide enough services, that it pays back all of the money we put into building the robot. So what we've done over the last six years is we've designed a robot that is very low cost while also being customized for the problem it's solving. By doing this sort of purpose-built robotics, we can keep the cost of our robot really, really low. So our entire robot as built today uh, and into the future costs as little as sort of a new car. We don't say exactly how much, but uh, it, it's as little as a new car would cost uh, most people today. Uh, and that's, that's really almost the same price as a, uh, a worker, right? Yeah, well, and of course, workers are a whole different game. And, and you know, what we always say is it's robots aren't replacing a person. What robots are doing is doing the dull, dirty, and dangerous jobs on the farm. People are always gonna be needed on the farm. And they can do a lot of jobs the robot can't, but the robot can do jobs that, that they can do, but better, you know? So the robots can do a job longer. We actually pick more carefully than humans do. Uh, so we're picking more, like we're not making as many mistakes and that should increase the yield for the farm. So yes, it's, it's not a direct comparison to humans, but the idea is that the lower the cost of the robot, the faster we can make money. So is your robot a Tortuga or a Hassenfeffer? <laughs> it's a great question. We, 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 not, not a direct answer, but we actually call them instruments. So our latest robot is the G model, which we call the Gong. Uh, we learned that that's a better name than our D model, which was didgeridoo, 
which sounded great, but it was very hard to spell. So Gong is a, a better name, but yeah, the, the, our robots are- That was the Australian so. influence, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, wonderful. So uh, robots don't get sick. Uh, they can work year round. What are some of the pros and cons when it comes to uh, using a worker, uh, using a robot in place of a worker? Yeah. Uh, and and I, I alluded to a few of these just a, just a moment ago. Uh, robots are uh, better right now at picking the right fruit and not picking the wrong fruit. And we're more careful with how we place that fruit after we pick it. So, for example, we bruise the fruit less than a human being typically does. Humans are really demanded to move very, very quickly through the grow. And they're moving as fast as they can. They're also incentivized to move quickly. They're paid more if they can pick more. And they're also trying to make fewer mistakes, but that's a very difficult thing for a normal person to do. And it's a very hard job. A robot is able to do it more stably and more standard. Um, a robot can work much longer hours. Our robot uh, currently has 12 hours battery life. The G model, the F model, 12 hours, the G model, 20 hours. So you can imagine picking almost the entirety of the day, night and day with only moderate levels of oversight from a supervisor, the person who's there co-working with the robots. Uh, so, that makes a really compelling case for just a picking job. What a robot can then do is collect way more information and, and memorize it all better than a human ever, ever could. So we see all these berries, we collect a ton of information about our growers uh, grow, and then we can spit that back out to our growers as a forecast. Here's what the next three, four weeks might look like for your production. That's very useful for their business. The other thing we've started doing now is treating the plants, keeping them healthy with UV light instead of chemical sprays. And that's more sterile and more sustainable and lower cost. Uh, and we can start doing things like trimming the plants in ways that a human could do, but would have to be paid a lot to do. And uh, they'd rather use the, the people that they have to, to pick. So robots have a lot of benefits over humans. Now, of course, they're not perfect. Robots are machines. They still need to be maintained. They still need to be cleaned. Uh, and they aren't always working all the time, just like your car might have to go into the shop. Uh, but over time, robots will be more and more reliable, just like our cars are, where nowadays, if your car breaks down, you know, you can probably get it fixed reasonably quickly. Same thing with robots. In the early days, it's harder. We're putting engineers out in the field to keep them up. But long term, we're getting better and better at maintaining them and keeping them alive. Great answer. Boy, I could I could talk to you all day. So I have two last questions is uh, the common uh, uh, question that's always asked is some say robots just shift costs from low cost labor to hard to find high cost labor that have to build and maintain these robots. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's it also gets at this sort of uh, maybe uncertainty or discomfort with robots. Are we taking people's jobs and uh, what, what's happening here? We've designed a system that we believe uh, is not exclusive to just high expensive, high education labor that you know takes over from the low wage labor. What we're actually doing, and this is bearing out on the farms we work with, we're providing a tool for a lot of those people who are currently picking with their hands to pick with robots instead and get paid more because they're upskilling themselves. So at one of our farms, we actually hired a farm employee to work for us because that person was going to quit and leave the farm entirely. And they were very happy to actually work with Tortuga. And now they're learning about robots uh, and they never even went to college. So this is, uh, I think, a really big area of job creation and of making farms um, more sustainable in terms of the work that's being done on them. 
so it's not just replacing low low wage jobs and and um, and difficult jobs with a, with an engineering job. We're actually trying to design our robot and teach people how to maintain these things without requiring a, a really uh, gold plated education. Yes, and that's a complex question. And you know, I've looked at a lot of studies out there, and they say you know there's clearly job loss not just by robotics, just the way the industry is moving. But to your earlier point. It's taking away dirty uh, jobs that people don't want to do. So, right. you know, it's it's solving that problem. So yeah. in closing, I want to know what what makes Eric get up in the morning and what excites you and gives you the most joy? Yeah, I love the question. I love working on a team and I love working on a team that has a unified vision for what we're trying to do. And because we're lucky enough uh, and a lot of agriculture companies are lucky enough to have a clear vision for trying to help make our food system better. It makes it a lot easier to wake up in the morning when it's a bad day. It makes it easier to shake it off. And it makes it really great to uh, revel in the success when the success comes. That, hey, what we're doing isn't just to make money. It's not just because it's a thing to do. It's it's meaningful. And it means something to the growers. It means something to the people who eat the fruit in the end of the day. Um, so for me, the best parts of my day are working on the hard problems with people in our company and seeing us make a big breakthrough or breaking one of our picking records or talking to a customer about what we're doing and having them be really excited about the potential. Um, sharing in that mission, sharing in that vision is, is always what gets me up out of bed. Well, Eric, I really enjoyed our conversation. And most of all, I love the uh, fact that you know why. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I do as well. <laughs> and your team does. So yes. thank you very much for joining us on Green Sense. Thanks very much, Robert. It was a pleasure. You are listening to Eric Adamson, the co-founder and CEO at Tortuga AgTech. He was sharing his thoughts on the future of agriculture and the role robots will play in harvesting. Green Sense is an independent radio show that relies on support from sponsors and patrons like you so that we can produce high quality audio broadcasts that promote innovators with sustainable solutions. Visit the GreenSenseFarms.com website to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo, and thank you for listening to Green Sense and catch the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 WBBM Chicago.